millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton. We're in our studio today with Carter Gates. Carter has been with us previously. He is the regional leader for the Asia-Pacific region here at Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, that includes uh, a lot of places that, that we love to talk about, the places like North Korea and China and Vietnam and Laos and Indonesia, and serving our brothers and sisters in those places. Carter, welcome back. Thanks. It's good to be here. It is good to have you here. I know your region was one of the ones that was most impacted by COVID. A lot of the countries that we just mentioned were completely closed down. Some of them still like a month ago. They just now said, yes. okay, fine, we're open again. Is your team basically back to normal, full speed ahead? Is there still some places where... COVID is affecting what you would like to do or what you want to do? Kind of give us an update on, on where we're at with that. Uh, there's been significant strict lockdowns over the last few years as we're approaching and encountering the th around three years ago now that we are starting to learn about COVID. But thankfully, I would say as of last month, when China finally dropped their COVID and zero COVID policies that they had been implementing in the country, uh, we are almost back to normal. I would say uh, outside of China, there are still some restrictions, uh, but overall, I would say we're we're finally moving into a, a more of a normal travel and not just for us, but I would say for our, our Christian family that we work with throughout our region, they're starting to gather together more normally, be, be with one another and do ministry more normally again. So we're thankful for that. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I want to talk about a situation in Laos, and it's a case that happened last fall where a pastor was killed. Uh, talk a little bit about that situation, and then uh, maybe we can dive in a little bit of, of what this means that, that this happened in Laos. Yeah, so, you know, Laos, I mean, if, if anyone follows us, uh, we, we will regularly share stories from Laos where believers there uh, normally and regularly uh, encounter persecution for their faith there. But we, in recent times, I would say in the last decade or so, we don't really hear of many believers being killed for their faith inside of Laos. So this was more of a rare story that we heard about. Uh, but what we have learned from our network there is what had happened was a pastor was involved in a church planting uh, network, and what we had been told was is this pastor had been previously arrested in the past, um, and he was traveling to a training seminar, but he'd never showed up. After three days of searching, they eventually found his body. It appeared that he had been tortured. People are believing that what prompted this event was not necessarily a target of him specifically, but for the authorities to get a better understanding of what was happening because the church was had been growing so much in this area of the country, and they were wanting to get a better understanding of what was happening. I know you have another story from Laos uh, about a policeman, as I understand. Yeah, this pastor was out doing some ministry, and he was caught by some of the police, and he had Bibles, MP3 players, and hymn books confiscated that he had been distributing. And not long after, one of the policemen that had taken those things from him came back to him and said, you know, when I seize those materials from you, I burned the Bibles. But ever since I've done that, bad things have been happening in my life. 
He said, did you put a curse on me? You know, in the context of Laos, I mean, they're a very animistic, mm-hmm. a very spiritual people. And so uh, he was asking this pastor if he put a curse on him. He said, my marriage was in, it was really good before him now, and something's happened, and my marriage is falling apart. Wow. My kids have been sick nonstop. And he said, can you please take this curse off my life? And it was a moment where I think it, it encouraged this pastor to see of the, the power of God working, and the power of God is greater than the spirits that many people in his community worship and follow. But also, I mean, this can be a reminder to pray for this, this pastor and even this policeman, that he would come to faith, and that through this event and the awakening of the power of Scripture, that he would desire to, to know more. And we will encourage our listeners to pray for that as well. Carter, let's shift our focus to China. It's the largest country in your region. We mentioned it just yes. just dropped the COVID lockdown. The, the country is a little more open than it was before. Uh, but we've just learned of some Christians that are in prison in China, uh, just recently sent to prison mm-hmm. there. Can you kind of share what their situation is and and how we can pray for them. Yes, I mean, I, I would just like to say, I mean, I've really admired and been challenged and encouraged by the stories of our brothers and sisters in China, especially over the last few years through the, all these COVID challenges. You know, just like many of us, uh, when COVID happened, it caused people to meet in, meet in smaller groups in China. Uh, the restrictions in China went up and down, uh, depending on where you were in the country and the severity of the restrictions. It caused people to meet online, but then it prompted the Chinese government to implement more online more, censorship. Yep, and more so really, laws. That's right. So it really limited churches from doing online small groups meetings. But, you know, that did not stop our brothers and sisters from gathering together. So in this specific situation, there was a group of uh, believers that were gathering together and renting space to specifically to help and train up children to teach them to pray, to study the Bible, to sing songs together, what we would typically want to do with children in our own churches here in America. Um, and they were doing this specifically, but you know, several years ago in China, the Chinese government passed a law that really restricted children from being involved in the activity of the church, uh, specifically because, as we all know, I mean, China sees children as the future of the country. And so unfortunately, these believers, these group of believers uh, that were investing into these children, renting space to host essentially like a house group for children uh, were caught, and and then now they're imprisoned and waiting to be charged. As I understand it, according to Chinese law, any religious activity with any person under 21 is illegal, according to how the law is written. Yes. You're having under 21-year-olds, you're talking about religion, that's illegal. Yes. We can come in anytime, shut you down, arrest you, take you off to jail. Yes. I think of my own church, and children's ministry is an important part of our church. Yeah. But I think a lot of churches would say children's ministry is something we do on the side. Like, like we're here to preach the gospel Sunday morning, and we want to have a children's church so that the parents can come to big church and hear the pastor. Obviously, the Chinese Communist Party views this as a very significant thing for you to be telling children about Jesus. They see that as a direct threat. It seems like they may see it as more important than maybe sometimes we see it. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I was actually reading something recently, some documents that discuss the view of the Chinese Communist Party uh, regarding to the activity of Christians engaging children and teaching them things about Christ, uh, just saying that children ha- have more of an immature physical, mental, and intellectual development. So I think what they're seeing is this, is that the government wants to protect the children to to control <laughs> what information they're receiving and learning, because they recognize uh, if they lose control of what they see is what they want children in their country to be indoctrinated with, 
uh, it could impact the future of the CCP. You know, anyone, anything that disrupts the agenda of the government and and their indoctrination of children uh, will be punished. Just like we do and we say it, the, the CCP knows it and believes it, and they're enforcing laws that children are the future of the Communist Party. The current children in China are the future of the Communist Party. So they want to control, in my view, what the children are learning and understanding so that they have more of a communist worldview to protect the future of the CCP in China. And I say this in as I do interviews and talk to people all the time, for the Communist Party, it is about control. You use yes. that word. It's mm-hmm. about control. And if these children are trained in scriptural principles, they're going to be harder to control yes. from the Communist Party perspective. They're going to want to be good followers of Jesus instead of good members of the Communist Party. And that affects the Communist Party's ability to control everything and, and to mm-hmm. maintain its status quo, to maintain its control of the country. Yeah. And so it's fascinating to me how clearly they identify Christian teaching as a direct threat yes. to the Communist Party. Yes. Like, it is not a peripheral threat. It's not a threat 10 years from now. It is a direct threat to the party. We have to put a stop to this. Yes. What happens on our side of the ocean, in in your office, when you hear a report like this, and, okay, we know these Chinese Christians have been sent to jail. What goes on in, in your office and in your team to say, okay, what does this mean for VOM? How can we help? What do they need? Those kind of questions. Yeah, so I mean, just with any situation like this, I mean, we we work closely with a network of partners that help us understand these things in these contexts. And it's something I think we're going to, you know, I know we wanted to discuss uh, a little further in our conversation. But, you know, when we come alongside Christians facing persecution, whether they're in China or in other parts of, of our region or the world, what we want to do is our ultimate goal is by walking with this believer through persecution, we're partnering them to continue to help them further the gospel in a very restricted and hostile area. So we want to come alongside them and to encourage them, uh, just like we want to bring fellowship and inspiration with our readers and our listeners. We want to do this, do this with the Christians uh, that are in the midst of persecution. But we have to be very diligent, and we have to be very cautious in how we go about doing that, because the last thing we want to do is to bring further persecution, further hardship. China is very good at making that very difficult. Just with our modern-day technology and the conveniences of that we experience even in here in America, where uh, we think, oh, it's becoming very convenient to pay with Apple Pay or to do the things uh, we do every day in an electronic format, what we don't think about on the other side is that it makes our government more easy to track us mm-hmm. and to know what we're doing. Uh, and so Particularly now, when you talk about crossing an international boundary, like transferring money from Correct. our country so, to another country. I mean, some people are saying that China may be the first cashless society. You know, they're moving and heading towards that direction. So, uh, you know, the reality is of when we hear about these situations and we want to respond to them, we have to think through things critically, uh, not just in a, in a quick response mode, but, you know, be calculated and intentional and say, okay, how? what is the best way to serve our brother and sister in Christ in this? Uh, not in just in prayer, but in some sort of tangible support and partnership. So we've mentioned Laos, we've mentioned China. I know there's another story that you want to share. And again, un- unfortunately, it involves more of our brothers and sisters going to jail. Yes. We don't want to say a country in this case for, for their security because it is a very sensitive situation. 
talk a little bit about what they're going through and uh, and maybe how we're how we're trying to help in this situation. Yes. Yeah, so this is a situation in one of the countries in, in, in our region of Asia Pacific where I had the honor to meet uh, these believers on a recent trip to this place. And what happened in this context is they are from a, a rural area of the country where they live, and they're some of the first believers in their village. And in their area of the country, the local authorities were quite proud that there were no Christians or very few Christians in their area. And so when they came to faith, they wanted in in and their response to that, they wanted to establish a church in their village. So the officials are quite proud that there are no—like, we can stand up and say, hey, in my village, there are no Christians. Yes. Why is that a point of pride for them? Like, is well, that the it, government likes them better if they can say that? Or or how—why is that a, a big deal? Sure. Well, I would say in this context, it's a more of a communist ide- um, ideological country. And so in a communist context, you know, your allegiance is your, to your country and your leaders— and so when you follow Christ, I mean, government officials know in a communist country that the scriptures teach the opposite. Right. The allegiance for us is to Christ alone and to no other authority. And so for them, that's why it's seen as a threat. And so I think that's why they take great pride, because they have more people that are aligned and committed to the government, more of those communist ideologies that they desire so to have. So look what a good leader I am. All of the people in yes. my village are very loyal to the government. Yes. None of them are yes. following this foreign religion. Yes, they? exactly. Okay. So uh, they they pursued to have a church planted, uh, a registered church in their area. And once they pursued that, they that brought on them very significant persecution. Which and I want to point out the fact that you said a registered church. So they wanted to get government approval yes. and say, "Hey, there are Christians in this village, yes. and we want to have a building. We want to have a place where we can meet together and worship." So it's not like they were kind of hiding their Correct. presence. They were going through the they official channels, bold. and yeah, yeah. And so in an Asian context, you know, they they were causing the leaders to lose face of these things that they were very proud of. So what then happened was they faced significant persecution. Their electricity was turned off into their home. Uh, once again, as I refer to the squeeze kind of persecution, mm-hmm. the persecution where someone comes around you and does things to you to kind of pressure you to kind of leave your faith or make things so difficult for you that you want to stop the activity of your faith. So they force people in the community to stop selling them things uh, in the local market. Their rice fields were taken from them. They put a camera up outside of their home, so then they knew if visitors came to help them. So they caused them to be so isolated in a very communal society that it made things very difficult for them. And it even got to the point where the local authorities were coming in and beating up the father, the one that was the very bold and and, and requesting the church to be registered. And when I met this man, you know, what was powerful to me in that moment was, you know, he wasn't very emotional talking about the the persecution he experienced of the electricity being turned off, being rejected by his community. But he broke down in tears when he started discussing uh, how he was being beat up. And the, and the reason he was being breaking down in tears was not because of he himself being beaten up, it's because, you know, being in, in a rural area of Asia, and they live in a very small home, so what happened was, you know, him being beaten up, he couldn't protect his kids from seeing that. Mm-hmm. So his kids had to go hide in the, hide in the chicken coop outside while, his, while their father wow. was being beaten up. And so it was a very, obviously, you could tell a traumatic, emotional uh, experience for him. And so they were experiencing all of this. And then unfortunately, not long after we returned back here to the U.S., after meeting him, we got word that they were arrested and they disappeared. And we had no idea where they went. Uh, but... Uh, Thankfully, we just got word that they are alive. Uh, we were even starting to question that. 
Um, and uh, they have been just, they have been given a several months prison sentence uh, for the activity of their faith. And so, uh, yeah, it's a very difficult situation. I'm curious, because they were the first Christians in their village, mm-hmm. how, how did they hear about Jesus? Did they go somewhere and hear the gospel, or did somehow someone come to them? Or Yeah, if I remember the story correctly, I believe a family member of someone in the small group of people that first accepted Christ came from the big city back to okay. their town and shared the gospel with them. And and that's how they—this they, group that we worked, that we got to meet, how they heard the gospel. Wow. So, Carter, I hear that story. I hear that that this father is in prison. How do we help? Because what I want to say is we're going to make sure those kids still get to go to school. We're going to make sure they still have a roof over their head. But we're talking about a rural place in Southeast Asia where everyone in the village is already watching them, and they have a camera up outside their house. What are the challenges in in your world to say, okay, we want to help them, mm-hmm. we have resources mm-hmm. to help them, but how do we actually do it? Yes, and that gets very difficult for us sometimes because, you know, we, you know, thankfully here at VOM, we're, we're given resources to respond to many situations around the world all throughout the year. But we have to always remind ourselves that, you know, God is our ultimately their provider. He's our Heavenly Father that is aware of their suffering and is with them in the midst of their suffering. And there are times where, as I shared a few moments ago, where we never want to respond to a, 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 an event of persecution and cause further persecution or hardship on them in a way that, to us, it's not worth the risk that's involved in that. And so, and this is one of those situations where, unfortunately, we just haven't been able to respond to the significance of the security and the further impacts the families would have, where it would do more harm to them than right. good for us responding. And and like I shared about China, I mean, we're seeing this in other places where I would think back in the Warm Brands days, you know, in Romania, they could have these drops of like people dr- giving them things on the road and things like that. But you think about now and security cameras at every corner right. and and the movement of funds electronically nowadays, it's it's becoming very challenging in some contexts to serve our brothers and sisters and, and to encourage them. Uh, we we here in our international ministries department, we say we take all necessary risk because we recognize the ministry we do comes with great risk, and that risk is worth it. But we also recognize that there's some risk that's unnecessary. And so that is a, a, a line we always have to walk very narrowly. And in this situation, at this point, we haven't been un- unable to respond. But, you know, what we can do is share his, our brother's and sister's story with with our, with our listeners and our readers so that they're aware and they can be praying for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to encourage our listeners to pray for that situation in Southeast Asia. I want you to encourage you to pray for these brothers and sisters in China who have been arrested for working with children. And uh, that is a part of what we hope happens every week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. As you listen to this, whether you're listening on the radio, whether you're listening to the podcast, you're, we want at the end of this, we want you to go to prayer, and we'd love it if you'd share and, and pray with someone else about these needs so that we can spread the word about these brothers and sisters. Carter, I hope that as there are opportunities, you will communicate back to those families their story is being heard, and people are praying for them. Yes, we um, definitely will. Because we know that there are people who listen to this podcast who pray. Yes. Uh, and so they are being prayed for. They will be prayed for in the coming days. And I know as you have opportunity, you can communicate that back to them. As we finish up, we always try to finish with prayer. And we've talked about, you know, we've talked about people in prison. 
I think all of us can figure out, okay, yeah, I know some ways to pray for them. Yes. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the challenges for your staff and for our IM staff more broadly. It, it's complicated to, it to try to serve and try to help and try to make sure you don't make things worse or create uh, unnecessary risk. What are some ways that you would encourage us to pray for the Asia-Pacific region in the coming days? Yes, you know, something that I thought about, you know, referring back to the first story that we discussed with the, the pastor in Laos that was, uh, that was killed uh, this past fall, thinking of his wife and children that are left behind, you know, thinking of these believers in China that are in prison with their family members left without them while they're in prison, and the same uh, in the other uh, story we've mentioned. We often think about, and even when I have the honor the, to meet many of these uh, believers, is that they truly have great faith, and that's so inspiring, and that's why we like to tell their stories. But at the same time, we often forget that they're human, and they're also in need of saving grace because uh, they're being sanctified through these trials. And I think what we can often pray for them is because they're experiencing fear, they're experiencing anxiety, they're experiencing loneliness. Um, even in the midst of having great faith, they still are human, and they have these emotions and these anxieties. And so I think remember to pray for them. Pray for the wife of this pastor in Laos, you know, who is now a widow, who even though she may have great faith through the faith of her husband, at the same time she's now a widow, and there's deep grief involved in that. To family members who have, uh, you know, a husband or a wife that's in prison, uh, you know, it's the same. You know, there's deep grief and fear and anxiousness when you know you're living in a context where you're being watched and monitored, uh, especially in communist countries. It's it's hard. And so be praying for our brothers and sisters that live in those contexts uh, uh, and, and, and having those emotions and anxieties. And pray for our team that we would have wisdom as we work closely with partners and our staff that live in these contexts to know how do we best serve, how do we best encourage um, as I shared, uh, ultimately through all of this, what we're trying to achieve is that we can help the gospel be furthered in these most difficult and hostile and restricted areas of the f world, and for us, Asia-Pacific. Amen. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.